Welcome affiliated listeners to another amazing episode of the Affiliated Podcast. And today we have not just one guest, but two. So you're getting a double trouble kind of content day. So that I realized I didn't know where I was going with that after I said it. But um, we're excited to have you today. And I am joined by Andrew Contreras and Julian Reyes with Red Hot, um, their company that produces some of the best offers out there. Great copywriters, great guys, great marketers. And we're going to be talking about something today that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, we oftentimes get people talking about how, oh, my offer's not tested, how do I optimize? They try and do it through affiliates, and they just seem like they can't get it right. But we know the biggest difference between the big players, the people that do the best, and the people that seem to struggle or maybe just get lucky once is how you optimize and test. And you guys do that in a lot of interesting ways. So we'll jump into that and talk about some other exciting things too. Before that, how are you two doing? How are you enjoying Boise today? Great. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah you and like I just said, as you were just talking right now, I just had a weird realization you remind me of like young Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I like that. Anyone? I yeah, love yeah. me some yeah. Richard Dreyfus. Well, hopefully I could just get like a nice potato tower to like build up and. I just saw Jaws again recently. So oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's right. Jaws. Dude, that's Jaws. right. Great totally movie. right. Yeah. Well, you know, as a, I, like I said, I'm, I like Richard Dreyfus quite a bit, so I'm totally down. And I'm pretty convinced there's some deep-seated Jewish heritage somewhere in there. I don't know where it is. Uh, right below my waist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff. So, um, well, what we're going to, so anyway, guys, so we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, like I said, testing today and, um, you guys do some unique stuff, but one of the things that I was really wanted to talk to you about is you actually manage an in-house media buying team, which I imagine has to be a big part of kind of the differentiator for you, um, and in marketing in general. So, um, actually I realize I'm jumping too far ahead cause I'm too excited before that. I'd actually love to just get like a quick tidbit on how you guys got started in the industry. I know, Julian, you have a long story, and Andrew, I don't know yours, but if you just want to give like a high-level... Origin story? Like yeah, a, just like so, a... If yeah. you could give us the bridge version, though. Yeah, I'll give you the quick 30-second version. There you go. Perfect. You know, I actually started working in a, a direct response company doing email copywriting, mm. and I started managing someone's list, and then uh, I realized in order to become really good copywriters, I fell in love with the craft of, you know, persuading people through the written word. I was like, I just fell in love with it. I thought, like, wow, people can be thousands of miles away reading my words and they buy something and it just seemed like magic to me so I, I left that company to go and like do freelance because I knew that's where I could like you know improve my skills and work on front-end offers and I wrote a couple of hit offers along the way started my own uh, offer myself and then met Julian I think it was 2017 ish yeah and we um had like creative chemistry you know yeah. we just like it was kind of we a... Had all, we had many different types of chemistry, <laughs> I think, but it's fine. We can yeah, focus on that. We doubled down on the creative chemistry, and we, we started working with each other on each other's offers, looking at his stuff. And then Julian had the brilliant idea. I think it was like 2019. He said, why don't we just merge? What if we write an offer together? And, um, you know, I uh, I was like, that's a good idea. Let's try it out. And one thing led to another, and now we got a team of like 50 people, and we're red hot, you know, pumping out offers and... That's, so what was that first offer, if you don't mind me asking? You guys remember? Oh, Exodus Effect. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, and that has done well, right? Yeah, it's yeah. done very well. <laughs> yeah, it's still pumping along, you know, years later. What are we, four years later? I think it fairly recently dethroned uh, Shepherd's Diet, actually, which which Andrew wrote yeah. years and years ago as, like, the best-selling Christian yeah. offer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, mo like, I don't know what the profit was in that, but, I mean, like, a lot of people in the industry talk about top-line revenue, which I think is, like... It's kind of BS, right? Like, yeah, it's a fun number. It's a fun but, number, yeah. but like, you you could you could you know do a hundred million dollars and lose a million, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but like ours has been really profitable. Like, it's like for me, I feel like that's like probably the most 
the thing I'm most proud of is the fact we've done we've scaled and we've done it in a way we, we haven't lost money. We're able That's to awesome. like, you know, build a platform and and, and have uh, you know do other offers. Christian offers are always really interesting, right? Because it's a very delicate balance, and you see a lot of people try and write to those markets, and they become patronizing, mm. um, and, and it just flops, or they don't go enough, and it's it's not really in that realm. So it's obviously kind of a, a delicate balance. I'm sure. curious to see how you guys do that, but we'll we'll do that a little later. We're going to do a copywriting open loop and see if we could address. All right, that let's later. do it. So, so yeah. Julian, I know, like I said, you have a decorated story, and for those that want the in depth background, I'd recommend Chris and Ed's podcast that you did with them. It is hilarious and super fun. Um, but yeah, give us the abridged version. Abridged version, uh, very simple. I was, I was an actor in New York, and my career did really well the first year, uh, not as well the second year for various reasons. And then I noticed uh, that the pickup artist seduction industry was like kind of starting to blossom. And I was like, well, I'm pretty good with girls. I bet I could teach this. And did that for a little while, didn't know anything about marketing. And then I noticed as the industry started to grow that like serious marketers like Evan Pagan and several others started to infiltrate that space. And I realized, well, you know, if I can't beat them, join them. Like I've got to, I guess I have to learn uh, marketing now. And that was 15 years ago. So that's awesome. It sounds like it's a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. So especially given it seems like the pickup artist world didn't head in the same direction the online parking world did. It so. basically died. I mean, yeah. like we, I co-wrote an offer called Pandora's Box back in 2010, and that offer scaled up to I think by 2012 it probably did 35 or 40 million dollars top line. Mm. There is not 10 years later there is nothing in that entire space even close to it. I think the top yeah. companies five million a year top yeah. line right now. Yeah. yeah, no, I would I would agree. It's really it, it has changed drastically from what it used to be. So, but less on that. Let's focus now on the things that are working really well. So, um, yeah, super curious. I think there are interesting parts we could talk about it. So let's actually first talk about. Um, I want to talk actually first about building the team because I think having an in-house media buying mm. team, um, we'll talk about the testing in the second part of it because sure. everyone could test, but not everyone could build a, a, an in-house media buying team. So what made you guys decide to go in-house versus agency or using affiliates when you're deciding to start buying your own media? Yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we, we do a little bit of both, you mm-hmm. know, we, so, you know, full disclosure, that's what we have. We have some in-house, we have some agencies we work with and affiliates, so. Um, so I like the diversification, but yeah. you know, why do, we started out, um, with in-house that's because that what we had at the time. And, um, was it like a friend or like, how does that you know, came from, time? came from Julian's side of the business, yeah. you know? So um, was it one of you guys? Or you just had somebody that was, that knew it, that you brought in. Julian had a guy, Leo has a guy, yeah, has a guy. We have, yeah. a, he's still with us and, you know, and then we've added people on since then. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I think Julian, you're the one that really kind of like championed this philosophy of like we got to test it first with our own money before we bring it out to affiliates because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you just can't take that risk. Well, nothing destroys your credibility faster than, you know, hey, promote this offer, promote this offer, yeah. and then it yeah. bombs. Like you have to make sure ahead of time. And also, like we're we're now obviously we're working more closely with you guys. And we really want to scale up uh, more than we already have. But the other thing is at least my philosophy at that point was, well, the affiliate needs their margin, mm-hmm. right? And if we are running with internal media buying, then we get to eat that margin ourselves. So, yeah. You know. No, I think that's a good point. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. Oftentimes, I've been explaining through like people talk about agency 
versus like affiliates. I'm like, well, ultimately an affiliate always has to get paid. They're always gonna have to make money in the margins, which means the cap of what you could spend is relative to what money they'll make. Versus when you have an agency or in-house, you could eat all that, right? You could spend yeah. right up to break even. You could spend it a loss if you have the back end to support it. So it opens up scale exactly. in a much larger way when you have exactly. in-house. So like, I love it. And I love it a lot more in-house than agency because you don't have to pay that. Agency's been always tough sometimes because like, they're in, it's not equal incentives, right? They're incentivized right. to yeah. spend, not to You're make not money. aligned, so. Yeah, yeah. so it's we, always a push and pull. Yeah, we've dealt with that yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, we maybe later we can talk about how sure, a, sure. agencies can be tough. I, I had some experience with that too, and it's not always the most enjoyable thing. So, um, but you know, it makes a huge difference. So like one of the big parts that I'm curious about is how do you select, train, and retain media buyers? Because that seems like one of the things I've seen people really struggle with internal teams is you might, get somebody, you train them up, they're either not a very good media buyer, which is why you were able to get them, or if they become proficient, why would they stay with you? How do you keep them in-house without having to have a revolving door? Let me add one thing just before you answer, which is like, I've found that with with media buyers, actually with advertisers that, that build their own offers, is that when they give it to a media buyer that they're testing out, and then it doesn't work for whatever reason, they're never sure why it didn't work. Well, was the offer not strong enough? Was the, does the media buyer suck? But we've discovered that even a half-assed media buyer can make a great offer work. Like, mm. in other words, it's always on the offer. It's always in the creative, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I okay. think that's what, um, you know, if there's anything that differentiates us is the fact that Julian and I, you know, cut our teeth as copywriters. Like, creative is, like, at the core of what we do, mm-hmm. and it leads the organization. So everything has that creative in mind. We try to put our you know, our best work out, even, you know, with our creative. So we've built, you know, uh, like teams within the company, like a creative team, right? And their nice. sole purpose is to support media buyers. Mm. So media buyers always got, they've always got the ammunition they need to do their best work, right? Nice, okay. Um, so whether it's, a you know, the offer or certain types of split tests or email creatives or just like Facebook ads or YouTube ads, we're constantly churning those out. And that's like just a, like a KPI we try to optimize for. So it, it's almost like one of the added benefits they have is they just have a swell creative. They know that they're going to be able to get an offer yeah. that's working. So their job is made easier, yeah. which in a way protects them from wanting to go out. Because, hey, do you really want to build your own creative team to have constantly do this and put that cost in there? Find the offers that are actually going to yeah. work all the time versus and then deal with offer owners to say that it's your problem, not mine. There's another important ingredient is incentives. Like make sure they're getting like the incentive structure is like set in a way where they can make a lot of money. Mm, right yeah, yeah like if they're making a ton of money and they're doing it with like not a lot of friction like they're not going to want to leave yeah how do you guys build your incentive structure for your in-house media buying team? it's been a fluid process yeah, julian right it keeps like, evolving it's it keeps a, changing I, I, yeah i feel like that's got to be a tough one I, to pin down we didn't right? really know yeah. like you know as we started building this we didn't really know we started asking you know mentors and or people who've uh, you know advisors and we always got different answers and i think we've just we've tested different things like you said before i think you're like you know if you have an incentive structure like with agencies where it's like based on ad spend that's like completely like crazy right yeah. like like they're not you know like what's ideal in an ideal world is if you can do it on profit right yeah and then but like a lot of times that can be complicated with accounting and like attribution but it's you know not timely you know it takes yeah. a while they don't see that all the time it's hard to make the quick decisions yeah, yeah. like we've depending on the person we've we've you know it can be we've done profit shares right like we've done yeah. those and then we do CPA, you know, just CPA deals for now. But, you know, it could change, you know, in a couple months. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. So you tried a lot of different things. Yeah. And constantly iterating. We, we also do a profit share at the end of the year with, with the whole the whole company as oh, well, nice. just like as an additional incentive. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> that's another, yeah we have that. So we have like layers of like, yeah. we have like, um, yeah, the individual, right? Mm -hmm. And then the team, you know, uh, you know, uh, incentive. Yep. And then we got the company incentive. And so we did really well last year and, you know, the year before. And so we've, we've, um, you know, decided we would take a chunk of our profits and just distribute it amongst the company. And so right now you said you're doing it CPA. So you're giving them a CPA and they could they just work in the margin almost like an affiliate. Is that no, no, it's just a CPA on top. Like uh, we just add it to, um, whatever the, the, um, we just, it's just an individual. Yeah. They're, they don't like risk their own money. It's, it's yeah, yeah. our money. And yeah. we just give them like, hey, it's a small CPA. Yeah, it's a small CPA. Hey, here's your, you know, here's your your commission per, per you know, sale per sale. Day. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I mean, that's still that makes a lot of sense, right? They're gonna sell as much as they can, right? Yeah, yeah. you still need to be you careful. Have to have the how much they'll spend for. Well, it, yeah, right? you gotta. That's why you have to have, <laughs> to have like 140 CPA. You're like, you wow. have to have the allowable. I think there, yeah. you know, like you have to have that as a limit, and then you gotta like look and just figure out. Well, you know, based on your LTV, you know factor in which ROI you want, like whatever, three months down the road or six months down the road, however you can, you know, yeah. however long you can go and still. So that's uh, interesting. I, and sorry, it. I'm just, cause I find this an interesting compensation structure. Sure. And it's funny enough, this is a conversation I was having with uh, somebody Gosh, two weeks ago, they have an in-house media buying team. They're like, how should I build my incentive structure? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, but so basically you give them a little, they get a little CPA, a small CPA for each sale. And then they have guardrails of like, yeah. you can't go above this because that's when you know you're going to be in a negative ROI standpoint. Yeah. So they're like, okay, here's your allowable CPA. Um, but you could spend as much up to that point and yeah. make as many of these sales. I think that's a pretty solid structure it yeah. seems like for sure it's worked so far yeah, yeah. you said three months you've been on that one or no we've been on this for for quite a yeah for years, years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've yeah hmm. so we do work with agencies and we do a percentage of ad spend on that but yeah, yeah that can be you know you still have to put the guardrails in it's bit us in the ass before, <laughs> so. yeah well we'll talk to the agency in a second but i think um because i think that is something like there is a way to make agencies work, but it's a challenge, right? Or to just yeah. have to know what you're getting into. Um, so that's interesting compensation plan. I think that makes sense. So how many media buyers do you guys have right now on the team in-house that you're managing? Two in -house. Two. And then we have an affiliate manager. And then, yeah, we're working on getting more media more, buyers. But we're looking to grow that team right now. Yeah. Because one of the things that we've done is we've grown significantly our creative team. I think mm. we have, not including us, eight seven or eight like full-time yeah. writers now oh, wow and so our outputs increase plus i'm writing again now and andrew's doing some writing too so our outputs increase so therefore you know we i don't think we have enough uh internal representation to you know to match what we're going to put out in q2 this year so no yeah we that's definitely a like, like a gap where we're looking to to fill well, hey, any listeners here, we're yeah. about to find out Great who idea. is the kind of person that they want for a media buyer. And if you fit that, we'll make sure to get away from them to reach out to you guys. They might be yeah. able to out. So are you guys doing just Facebook? Is it um, like all the tier one socials or, or what's your in-house team buying? On? We got Facebook, YouTube. We've got native, uh, a lot native. of native. Okay. It's a big source for us. Yeah. Email, email drops. Okay, gotcha. So you're covering all of it with yeah. your in-house yeah. team. So the media buyer is not just going to learn one traffic source. They'll learn them all. Yeah, ideally, you got someone who's well specialists. Like we, okay, yeah, we're looking for specialists, and because yeah. we have like the the guys we found the guys who are full stack media buyers that they're sort of you know Bad jack of everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> jack of all trades. Yeah, you know, to some yeah. degree. If you can, yeah, if you, definitely, if you can focus. Generally speaking, anytime we've 
anyone's on our team is just like focus one area. We didn't like, you know, when you're growing a company, like you're wearing multiple hats, right? Yeah. Like in the, the early stages, but yeah, like it's, you just start to realize like it becomes like as the revenues grow, like it becomes important to just like select one area and just go mm -hmm. deep in that. Yeah. Well, I think it makes sense, especially then they have their one focus, they have the yeah. incentive built on that, and then you could start diversifying the in-house team so you could have somebody focus on each one of those and channels. they earn more money by yeah. doing, like, just focus on one thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to focus on in one of those traffic yeah. channels. I mean, you could spend a lifetime mastering one. So, um, no, I like that. I think that makes a ton of sense. So let's, let's talk about then what we mentioned before. How do you select the right people? Because I feel like that's got to be a really hard thing is to get the right person in, and the hiring's already a, a pain enough oh, as yeah. it is. So, like, how have you guys been able to get the right people? I find, like, with media buyers, it's actually easier because, you know, the proof is in the pudding. The number's mm. going to come out very yep. quickly, and you're going to see, well, are they hitting the KPIs? You know, how, are they moving quickly? Like, we've had a couple media buyers that we, we let go but that was within, you know, 30 days or 60 days max. Nice. Yeah, so generally speaking, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll hire slow. What do they say? Hire slow, fire fast. Yep. We, we, f we follow that pretty well. Um, and we also tend to baby steps into the relationship. Like we have, uh, we came up with a better word than, than trial phase, but like, uh, sort of a preliminary phase where we're mm -hmm. testing it out and, um, find out if it's a fit and typically if they have another job or another source of income we're like well maybe don't give it up quite yet and, yeah i mean like so know. if you want to boil like extract like a kind of like a principle out of that like mm -hmm. we're looking for people who are able to focus like mm -hmm. just focus on you know you know who are serious about the relationship and like willing to focus on it right mm -hmm. so you know you don't want someone with multiple things usually it can work for some time but usually you know they get distracted with something else and you know you can see it in the results. The numbers show everything, right? So I'll just add what, one thought to that, which is like, because I think you just said it all with with focus. Like we're our culture, in our, at Red Hot is like everybody goes above and beyond. Everyone's you know super invested, super focused. Um, you know, there's an energy in the air. I think, and it, what we're really looking for, not just as a media buyer, but for any department, is somebody that matches that culture matches that energy and because if they match that and they even have the basic skills they're gonna they're gonna excel yeah because you guys you know you know you have the resources the connections to get them from hey point a to point b but that hyper focus is required yeah and we can't do that they can yeah. only do that right? yeah 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 that's the part that's that's what you have to hire for skills education training with focus they'll get there you yeah. know that you guys could do that but yeah if they don't have that focus well i really like that you do the the 30 day period where you allow yourself. Trying, yeah. yeah. Cause I think I've seen so many times, like, man, even here, other companies, man, you hire somebody, everyone knows in the first two weeks, I think we've made a mistake. And they've moved across the country. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. They right, make a right. huge commitment. And then it's like, well, we're just going to make a really uncomfortable six to nine month period <sighs> yeah. where that employee's miserable. The employer's miserable. They're not getting the job done. And we just all kind of stare at each other in misery. It's like, it, it feels like an arranged marriage gone wrong. Like yeah. it's never. We, we made that mistake. Yeah, this is a long time ago, so two yeah. years ago, um, with a bookkeeper uh, <laughs> in Puerto Rico, and very quickly she had quit her job at a bank to come on board with us, and very quick within like a week, yeah, we like knew. Uh, Paula, one of our um, operations people, said I asked her what she really you know thought of this bookkeeper, and she said it feels like she has the brain of a sixty-year-old. <laughs> And she was like 25, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I had to, because it was me sort of pushing for the hire initially, 
um, I had to do the honors of, of letting her go. And as I got on uh, you know, the call, ready to deliver the bad news, I said, you know, I stupidly said, well, hey, how are you doing? Just to mm-hmm. open yep, up the, yep. the small talk. And she said, oh, not good, not good. Um, <laughs> my, my mother passed away yesterday. Oh, no. But something like that. And I, I, uh, I, she was like, it's been a, such a terrible day. And I was thinking it was about to get worse. Because yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it would be hard not to have those li- that line come out of your mouth. Well... Yeah. You know, you ever heard the phrase, it's darkest before the dawn? We <laughs> yeah. haven't quite got the darkest yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, did you follow through with it still and just make the, or did you? Hell yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I've, I've been doing this, like, uh, like CEO coaching thing because, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, it's, um, I, I need it. Like, we need it. Like, like because the organization's growing, you got to figure out um, how to build the platform so we can, everyone can grow and, yeah. and do it in a way that's not, like, too corporate because I, don't, I hate that shit. So, yeah. Um, no, you could say it's all yeah. right. You're good. Um, but uh, you know, one of the one of the things I'm realizing, and I think we've we knew this along, like in order to hire really well, you have to be really good at firing. Yeah. That allows you to um take the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like the the worst thing that can happen is I gotta fire him. Yep. Like so that just like takes the pressure. You don't have to each hire doesn't need to be like the perfect they want, you know, savior person. I've had that, you know, earlier, you know, years ago, like you'd build this kind of like this, um, um, I guess I call it a delusion or like this like fantasy that this person is going to come in and solve the problems. And usually when I, or I have that, it's like that person doesn't never meets the, you but know. Let me just add that we don't actually like one cool thing at Red Hot. And I think that we're both very proud of this is we don't really have much turnover at all. And we've gotten good enough yeah. at sort of filtering and ascertaining talent before we hire them uh, to where, I mean, we don't really fire people much either. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think, um, but I like what you said, it's, it's an attitude to being comfortable to know that's what it means, right? Yeah. So then I think sometimes it allows for better communication, better expectations, because when you know how to almost, when you know how to fire, you know what it takes to make that situation go as best as possible. Like, because there's times that you could fire someone and you realize, oh, we didn't communicate well up front. Yeah. We didn't select them. We didn't put yeah. them on for success. It's always And awful. now you always. didn't have, like, any of this conversation. Now it's, like, weird. And, you know, it, it just it ends up being a bad breakup. And they're like, I could never do that again. I have yeah. to. But if you set the right expectations, like you guys have, um, you know exactly what you're looking for. And you know that if it's not working, you're not going to force something, right? So mm-hmm. those all make it so it's easy to fire. And it's also the other people understand it's easy to know what's going to get you fired. So you could not do that, right? Yeah. You, you bring up a like. really good point, though, because like philosophically, I think one of the ways that we look at it, both me and Andrew, is it's always our fault. So even if we hired somebody and they like whatever embezzled money or did something crazy. Well, that's our fault for not, you know, doing our due diligence in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's a good way to to optimize, you know, your business. If yeah. if you don't always look at it in that way, you're not going to make any adjustments. Totally. Right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really it's perfect. And it's obviously it's working out for you guys. And yes, I'm glad you brought it up though cuz I don't want people to think like, man, Red Hot, what a brutal place. It's like Red Hot Firelines. No, no. <laughs> no, but no, no I, but they, yeah, I don't imagine. I actually feel like what you're saying, I would think it would be create a much better culture. Because everyone understands we're in the same mission together. Yeah. And yeah. that culture really is a cu- culture of like like competition. We're in it to win. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's we want. You know, our copywriters, our creatives, our media buyers to be competitive because it is a competitive, um, you know, sport. Business is a full contact sport. Or as Julian likes to say, it's 
full contact war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do say that a lot. I do say that. Like, um, I know we're sort of segueing here, but that is kind of how I think we look at yeah. it. And not in like a, 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 a violent way, exactly, but... Just Strategic. Be, strategically, it's like, well, you know, we're generals of an army, and there's a lot of other armies out there that are competing for the same, you know, ad inventory, and mm-hmm. you know, so we have to plan appropriately, and you know, go into battle at times, yeah. or you know, sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. I mean, that's it's a fun, I'm, I like military history, so mm. I've always been really <laughs> interested. So for me, that's just like a a fun way of of looking at it. But I think it's kind of true. Oh, you know, absolutely. No, I, you, you're totally right, right? We know, especially in the direct response world, where there's, I think there's obviously rules of engagement where we could all make sure that no one's cheating or doing the nasty stuff. At the end of the day, like, we have a limited number of customers. They have a limited number of dollars. It is not an everyone wins game. Like, it is who has the best offer, who has the best creatives. Those are the people that get the inventory, get the customers, get the affiliates. All of it comes with a level of competition. And yeah. because we're not talking, we're not in you know, the big levels of business where losing money actually isn't that big of a deal, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, because yeah. they have so much of it, you know, it's it's impactful. So I actually think it's a, I, I've always described direct response feels like the, it's the world of pirates, which is a lot of warfare, right? Yeah. They might be unified, but they're also fighting each other all the time, right? Sure. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's reality though. Like yeah. this is, we don't have like, as you said, like VC, you know, money, to, yeah. to coddle us into some other reality where, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where so we could sit in the sauna and talk about making the impact on the world. Yeah, like, no, we gotta make, we gotta get customers, <laughs> we gotta get sales, we gotta turn yeah. a profit, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, you know, it can, it can be, there can be some stress with that, but I think, like, um, I've really, you know, I think Julian, I think us as a company, we've really embraced it and just go, like, that's what we're in it for, you know? Yeah. So, like, the, that's the culture we got. And so people who identify that, usually, if they if they're in it to win it, like they usually do well at, at Red Hot. Yeah. Like well, that, in, yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that's awesome. I think that I could see how that fits with the performance incentives you have. Yeah. And when you select people, you could really, really host an impactful in-house media buying team. Really just a great team overall. So with that, I think that transitions nicely to talking about we have the in-house team, create some real advantages for you. But one of the big areas is, is in testing. We were talking about that earlier. So testing huge, coming out with an offer before an affiliate ever touches it, knowing that it works and knowing exactly how it works in those numbers obviously is a super smart strategy, but not a lot of people do that. So walk me kind of through, you guys have a new offer, you've built it out. How do you go about testing and making sure that it's ready to go live? Can I, I'll, I'll start. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. testing actually happens before it hits the split testing software or or it gets implemented, right? Oh, it happens in the creative process. When Julian and I write an offer or anyone on our team writes an offer, we start to think of different angles, different you know mechanisms perhaps for um, an offer mm-hmm. and we'll write it out. So it's, it's in a document before. Yeah. And, um, and then it's through that kind of thinking process and the editing process that will generate like split test ideas. So, oh, we should split test this. We should split test this. And we'll put it in the notes, like in the document. Right. And, uh, th- so that's where it, like the, the, I guess the genesis of it starts and then it gets implemented, you know, later on down the road. So we'll write how many leads for each offer. We actually. have 10 for final famine. Yeah. 10. Um, and then we'll do different like sections within the, 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 uh, the, you know, the body of the script or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then, um, yeah. So when you guys take the leads, do you, do you like test the leads agnostic of the rest of the copy? Like if you have the 10 leads, you're going to like put that out as like subject lines, see which ones get the most. No, no, no. Because if it's like, um, every offer is just like, uh, its own like different, you know, equation, right? Like the lead 
might it, it just won't work alone. Like uh, like I think if you isolate it in a vacuum, it's just not it's not indicative because something you say in the lead might connect with something later on in the script, like mm-hmm. in the close or something, and it has a different impact and it affects conversions in a positive or negative way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you might you might think you're getting something that's like the the best lead if it's detached. But it's not because as soon as it goes to where the rest of the copy, yeah. the deck copy is, it's like, well, this is making can't sense. can't test it in a vacuum. Yeah, right. another yeah. way. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one sense. one thought to that, which is like, because you brought up a great point, which is the split testing really starts like when we're even writing. Yeah. But one of the things that we also do is so with Final Famine, for example, which is a new offer we're yep. coming out with next month. Um, one of the things that we do is sometimes I'll write two or three versions of a particular section in the video sales letter, right? Maybe it's the discovery story. And then he and I will talk about it and we'll say, uh, yeah, this one's the strongest uh, one. Let's not even test these other two. So there's actually like a mini split test happening between us and the creative team because the fact is traffic's finite, right? It's expensive to test. So ultimately our our best weapon, you know, outside of real split tests is intuition. Mm -hmm. Saying like, this is, well, this is, this is stronger. We're going to trust our, our impulses on this. So you're bringing more people in to help kind of make that decision too. So it's easy. Yeah, to get yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I think, so just to kind of say what Julian said in a different way is we'll have, you know, we've spent so much money over the years testing. We'll have an idea of like certain things and then that kind of builds our intuition, just experience. Mm-hmm. And then we'll simulate it in our minds. Like we'll just run it through our brains and it's like as a simulation and like, nah, that's probably a bad idea or we'll debate each other too. Sometimes we'll disagree, mm-hmm. right? And so this is like, you need to be careful who you let in the process, right? You just can't yeah. let anyone in. So you have to have a degree of trust and kind of respect and just go, and okay. vulnerability. Vulnerability, yes. Yeah. And to, to, to be able to, to present an argument. So Julian might present an argument to me and I might go, no, I think that's bad because of these reasons. And he, you know, either challenge me further or say, no, you you, you have a good point or, uh, you know, we, we take it wherever it goes from there. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you have to be really open and honest that too. Yeah, like, absolutely. The vulnerability because if you have to be able to say whatever and then the other person can't take that, he said it really mean. Maybe I'm just well, going to cower away yeah. instead of conviction when you have it. Which yeah. can be very tough for copywriters as we all know, you know. Your egos, egos the egos, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another part of like I think Red Hot's evolution is just kind of like, uh, like being flexible with it. We all got egos, right? So yeah. like being flexible and just being like, all right, like let's just put off the copywriter. Let's just put like business business owner, you know, ego on for a sec, you know, <laughs> second and see what I may have came up with that idea, but it may be a crap idea. You know, yeah. it's one of the traps that a lot of. Uh, copywriters fall, even very experienced copywriters fall into, because when you think about it, what is writing? Writing is the the manifestation of your thought process, mm-hmm. right? So if somebody tells you this copy sucks, what they're really saying is your brain sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your ideas are crap. Yeah, like everyone <laughs> yeah. says, like business isn't personal, but it's absolutely personal. It's one hundred percent personal. With it's, yeah, yeah, it's one hundred percent. So like, it's um, yeah, I I I think um, that's why. I think that's, again, to bring it full circle, that's like the secret of our testing is to, like getting rid of our ego. <laughs> that's huge. Well, I think I think that and I from hearing you, you're designing, you're writing with testing in mind. I think uh-huh. a lot of people are writing design to get a sales page or VSL uh-huh. in mind. And then they don't actually, they're like, oh, I'll come back and do some leads. Uh-huh. But you guys are doing it right from the get-go. Like, hey, we're writing the leads. Okay, here's one, here's one, well, here's, here's one. Everything gets yeah. it's, upsells, yep. the back-end products too, yeah. LTV. That needs to be done. Like we'll come up with concepts, back end offers as we're writing the front end. 
Because yeah. you want to build congruency from the get-go, right? Yeah. The more you can make it congruent with the, the leading concept or idea, the better your back-end sales are going to be. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, I could tell you even from my own experience and then watching so many people, they will write one funnel and then come back with different ideas, oh, yeah. which I think it's it's hard because you start breaking that creative process when it's its most fertile. Mm. Um, so I think that's really smart that you guys are doing that with testing in mind. And then, yes, being able to have the intuition okay, we have all these tests, but we can't do every single one of them. So sitting down, putting our ego and pride at the door and just being business owners that are yeah, going to say, cut this, cut yep, this. Let's so do this. And, yeah. One other thought about that is like when we're, there's another benefit to what we're talking about, which is if we write 10 leads for Final Famine or for 2PT or whatever mm -hmm. offer we're doing it, so we'll test those leads. One of the things, this is proprietary, we're not going <laughs> to reveal it at all, but one of the things that we've done recently is developed uh, correlating KPIs or correlating metrics that are um, relevant to sales. So we and we can we've, we're speeding up our testing process. Nice, now. gotcha. So that's one thing. But the the benefit, the other benefit of having uh, writing ten leads is what whichever lead wins or two leads win. Well, we're going to test those other eight leads now as video ads for YouTube. And we found this is really counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, this is counterintuitive too, but um, we found that sometimes we've had leads that lost on the lead test in the VSL, but crushed it as a video ad. So that work that you're doing, even for those loser variants for an, in a VSL or even in a sales letter, it's not wasted. You can use it for mm -hmm. something else. Yeah, no, because I mean, we go back to the isolation, right? So it might not work when it's put together, but in isolation, that might be a kick-ass lead. Exactly. That might just be yeah. great creative, which, Great for an ad. So again, I think when you have that concept in mind when you're starting, it allows you to be a lot more creative versus let's take what we already have fixed and get locked into whatever that is and now just optimize from there. It's almost like you anchor yourself creatively if you do it the reverse way, where what you guys are doing is you're living your creative space right from the start, getting everything out, and then optimizing from there. And exactly. just yeah, yeah. That. We're like water. Be like water. <laughs> like water, yeah. So, and I know, um, just so I could understand the idea, we won't go into what it is, but essentially you guys have found different KPIs or metrics that allow you to say, this is the winner without having to spend as much money based on or experience. Wait, wait, things like, yeah. and spend a lot of time. Right. Yeah. Time's also. Especially when you get to upsells, man, that is yeah. tough to test just from a time perspective for sure. So, no, that's super interesting. Well, gosh, so testing, um, well, let me ask you this. So we, that was a lot of like pre-testing. Sure. When you guys have something that's scaled, it's hitting the numbers in KPI, how do you keep testing and optimizing? Like, what's your process around that? Is it, hey, we're just going to let this go until it starts going down, or stay ahead? You guys, stay ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to keep testing. Yeah. That's when you really have to keep testing because if you're running at scale, those creatives are burning out fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, so many advertisers um, that we know, they'll write a really good offer. And then they'll do what you just suggested, which is they'll sort of let it kind of run and then peak and then burn out. But that process in reality can be massively delayed, mm -hmm. like that burnout process. Yeah. I mean, you can extend an offer for, for years. Like yeah. Exodus is still yeah. running pretty yeah. strong. And, you know? and it just like highlights the importance of having a team. Like we couldn't do this on our own. Yeah. Like you can't do it, but you have to have a team that's bought into a certain like mindset and philosophy of the way we do things and execute on our advertising. And when you have the coordinated effort, like it just becomes like a superpower. Yeah. The little leverage you get is incredible. That's yeah. why I'm so 
bullish on building teams. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's huge. I look at the stats. You guys have multiple offers coming out. Yeah. They're all doing really, really well. Um, you're able to optimize. And Excess Effect has been, you said that was 2017? 19, 19. Yeah, two, 19. end of 2019. Came so here are two, 2023, and it's still going. Digital yeah. offers, they burn out faster than physical ones do. So it's like you're looking at, normally you look, what, nine months is, like, good. That's really good. Maybe a year. And you guys are going on three. That's really impressive with still some scale. And we're just getting on. started, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, I with, like with Exodus, too, like we, our first year was really kind of starting because we were testing very slowly at that point. Mm -hmm. It was growing slowly. Um, right now, it's not at its peak, but I think last year um, we hit new peaks with Exodus, and that's year three that we were into. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's correct, yeah. Well, and I'm only using that just for the listeners. Like, this is, because I've seen it time and time again. If you focus on testing, not just get your offer up, but to keep it going, it does always extend the life of offers. Yeah. I've seen people that do it well, and they could keep supplement offers running for years. Right. Um, which, you know, people that don't, you're literally getting six to nine months max of a right. time frame. With well, that plus, plus also the... The testing kind of philosophy applies to more than just the creative. Like we're also constantly testing new traffic sources or mm. new new uh, publishers or you know a, uh, you know new email lists, whatever it might be. And we've cracked like where one source for us may have kind of burnt out a bit, but then we find a new source that has like a different demo and yeah. And each you know. source might like a certain lead for an offer or a certain mm -hmm. type of angle might work better for one source versus another. Right. Yeah. So all those variations you created from the the get go and the beginning not wasted. It's not wasted. You need yeah. it. You're we're planning ahead. You're gonna need all that stuff. They'll it'll work for something that you might you can't even you know think about because it's yeah. not on your radar. At that well, moment. yeah. The the multi using your assets in multiple ways and continuing. Yeah. I, I think when we come back to this though, it's that we go back to what we talked about. It's the attitude of war. Right. We're here to yeah. win, and you need to have the focus and attention. Like when you go like high focus. I think a war setting is a high focus scenario, right? You're not like, you're not dicking around when you're in a war scenario. So you have that attitude, you have that focus. Testing becomes such a key part because that's how you keep on winning. And you obviously said you guys could see the proof in the pudding in what you're talking about. Quick, so. quick tangent on, yeah. on that, related to that is like, um, I love I, tangents. Here's, here's, here's a weird, bizarre one, but it's relevant. Oh, even better, weird, okay. bizarre. So like, you know, as I was, I struggled a lot like in earlier and in my career with like discipline and working hard and all that stuff. Like I, I had talent, but I wasn't focused. Getting a business partner and getting a lot of momentums helped with that. But I, over the, that time period, I had, I don't know, half a dozen life coaches, right? The term's not in vogue anymore. But, <laughs> um, actually, James Clear was one of my coaches for mm. a while, um, Atomic Habits guy. Yeah. But one of the trends that, that all of the life coaches had in common with each other, all of them except for James, um, was this this idea of balance, right? The balance in your life, and they would have like a little pie chart with it's gonna you've got to have you know financial, and you've got to have your relationships, and you've got to have this, and you've got to have fun, you got to have this. And one thing that I've discovered, this is my opinion, right? A lot of people are gonna disagree with this statement, but I think, especially when you're really growing a company, the balance, <laughs> balance is <bull> <laughs> like like for for me at least. Uh, you know, hyper-focus is because the problem is you're competing against people that are hyper-focused. If you want to compete at a world-class level at something, maybe just, you know, beyond growing a business, it could, it could apply to anything, being yeah. a singer, being, uh, you know, on, on Wall Street. The best people in the world are hyper-focused, so you kind of have to do that. So uh, anyway, that's my little, my little tangent. 
No, I, yeah. I honestly, it's one of those things. Like, it's it's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed some of these like Netflix shows that are like giving you the behind the scenes on some of these professional assets, like Full Swing and Drive to Survive. Because there, you quickly realize there isn't balance. These are not balanced individuals. Like, yeah. no, they are hyper focused, and their life revolves around their accomplishment. Mm. So you're, you're totally right. Like, if you want to accomplish great things, sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice balance because there's no way you could do all of it, but you know, without yeah, some focus. On right? that note, I really love Drives to Survive, mm. one of my favorite Netflix series. Yeah, and you know, although like the driver may not have balance or whatever. Like, yeah, they're on the road a lot, but like, I think that the fact that they have a freaking team allows yeah. them to really excel and go deep. Mm. I think it makes it easier. Like if maybe they can't achieve full balance, but like you got to have that team in place. Agree. Yeah. Then that way it allows you to still have the moments that you want to uh -huh. have balance for you could really yeah. focus on. So, you know, like if you have a family, like, listen, it'd be great to be really focused, but I would like to not have my children become sociopaths or you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to put that counseling yeah, no. later because you ignored them the entire time. But like you said, if you build a team and you're hyper-focused on the business. You can have the family and do the business. Yeah, yeah. I, um, Chris Peterson, coach of Boise State, Washington, um, he had his whole thing was, that his big thing was like, whatever you're doing in that moment, just be all about that thing. Yeah. Focus is constant, but what you're doing changes. So that's yeah. kind of what you guys are, are capturing and talking about. It's like, be all about it when you're doing it. And if you shift to something else, be all about that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying divorce your wife. Marry your business and just do that. So we're, we're all fearing for Julian's future children. But. <laughs> That's why I don't have them. <laughs> Dogs. Dogs and cats. Great. Good for you. Keep that. You're good. So, well, um, that was really powerful, guys. And I think we had some great messages, not only for people that want to understand, I think, the value in having an in-house team, um, value and testing. And I think really the big thing is operationally, if you want to build a good team, you have to have a good focus or a good, not even focus, you have to have a good goal and a cohesive culture of what you're all trying to accomplish and be lock and step. That's what I'm hearing from you guys. Everyone's on the same page. You're all moving in the same direction. And that's how things get pretty exciting and start to happen. Yeah, it's nothing way. like you hear it in like business books and like whatever interviews. And, you know, I used to think, I kind of used to roll my eyes on that. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, the mission or whatever, but it's absolutely true. Like, yeah, after you get after a certain amount of people, I think it's after like t probably ten or fifteen people, you got to have some sort of like, yeah. Well, I think as you said, you hate corporate culture. It's because yeah, yeah. you know some of that mission's like it's total bull. <laughs> They're yeah. not. There's no. I think you would love ours. I think yeah. ours is pretty cool. We made it. We made it fun. I'd love. You guys want to say it right now? Julian, you okay with sharing our yeah, MVP, yeah. our sure. mission? Sure. I'd love to hear. It, yeah. The, we call it the mission, vision, and purpose. Mission, so the mission. mission is to create, I think we use the word ingenious, mm -hmm. group of offers that speaks to the hearts and minds of our customers, right? So that allows us but to- But doesn't fix their problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, I we, we don't have to get, this is a separate thing, but I often do think that, like, the actual product that we're giving people is the VS, the, is the, ex, the marketing experience. Yeah. In the, world, in the world that we live in, in the United States, and, I, you know, I live, you know, Puerto Rico and Colombia, but- um, it seems it can be boring sometimes. And so like, it's a little bit of like infotainment as Dan Kennedy likes to call it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I actually view the VSL and the marketing experience as the part of the product, like yeah. the majority of the value. Right. Yeah. Um, cause you're setting the frame and you're giving hope side note. 
I think there have been like placebo studies. Like there's, if people believe in something, they like there can have a placebo effect on them. So yeah. I don't, we don't need to go down that path. But anyways, well, the mission. Our products yeah. are good. By yeah, the yeah. Way. yeah. Just our mission. No, no, but I, I agree. I think marketers online, we're selling the hope of change far too often, right? Yeah. Because you could do all the right things in marketing, and they, they just go put that book up on the shelf. They never open the ebook. The bottle sits in a box. And all they really purchased was a moment in time that they hoped that they could be something different. And there's well, value in that. Well, like there's an energy transfer. Yeah. Not to get too, you know, esoteric or whatever, but like I think like what if that, you know, propelled them to do something else? Maybe they didn't use the product, but they went off and did something else. Like, could totally. it change the trajectory of their life? Totally. I don't want to romanticize what we do, but I'd like to think that. <laughs> I'd like to. It I'd makes like, it yeah, okay, maybe it's I am fun. trying to yeah, romanticize let's do it. it. Let's do it. But, uh, you know, the, the, okay, the mission, that's our mission. Yep. You know, uh, you know, ingenious offers that, that, that speak to the hearts and minds of our customers, the vision should we share the vision, Julian? Yeah, sure. Mm. Well, it's it's a profit. It's 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 a very specific profit one, and we had an uh, audacious goal of you know again when we when we talked earlier, it was like top line is kind of BS, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're like, let's make it about EBITDA. Let's make it about profit, mm, nice. right? So we said twenty million profit for like one year or whatever. Let's let's get that. That's right? awesome. And um and so this is something we share with everyone on the team. Like a, we do it monthly. We have monthly meetings, and I'm repeating myself every month. We're, we're repeating ourselves. This is our mission. This is our, our vision. And our purpose is probably the most important thing. And it's to create a wealth building engine for everyone on the team. With that's the implication awesome. that everyone on the team deserves to be there. Right? Yeah. So that's why we do the profit share at the yeah. end of the year. Yeah. Like eat, eat your kill is, is Yeah, eat your kill. And then we have our values and we don't have to talk about those. But, you know, that's what we do like on a monthly basis. And we'll do one tomorrow. We have a meeting tomorrow. And we'll do it. And uh, it reminds everyone constantly while we're here what we're doing. We, we have several going. people on the team that one in particular who who just became a millionaire and we have several more that will become millionaires this year that's because awesome. we we don't cap we don't we don't cap anybody's income particularly on the sales side like if they scale to the moon then we're happy for them mm -hmm. yeah no that's well and you put it right in your mission the pu side right like you want to create that and then again it fits into who you hire what they do every single day and what you guys are hoping to accomplish plus that vision and then the you know the profit side they're totally correlated together you're doing profit sharing, you guys want 20 million in profit. Like everyone's like, hell yeah, I want that same yeah, thing wow. too. We almost hit it last year. That's awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. growing. That's great. Well, this is, I mean, it, I I will just say we're gonna do some other quick hits here. Sure. Um, yeah. Because we want to like, I would love if we have some time to talk about the Christian stuff. I know you had some chat GBT things you wanted to mention, but I just want to take pause for a moment and say thank you because we don't get to really delve into I think the way people build businesses. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so oftentimes we get stuck in a lot of stuff around, you know how to build offers, but like an offer goes away. A yeah. business is what stays around. We really, you guys really shared a lot in terms of what you've been doing to build a great business with Red Hot. And I think that's that's really exciting. So we have one quick tip, the thing we can leave with one more thing. And then I want you guys to share kind of what you have going on, how people could find your offers, um, sure. how they could work with you as well. Um, you know, if they want to work directly, become a member of the team. But before that, um, I'm going to give you guys a dealer's choice. We could either discuss a little bit how you go and delicately balance when you're writing Christian offers. We could talk a little bit about, you know, chat GBT, what you guys are doing with that, or some prompting stuff, or some misconceptions, I think is what we were talking about. Or um, we just talk about, I'll just, whatever you want to say, I'll leave it to you say, and what we want to tell the people what do you want to do? in the audience. Uh, I mean, the, the Christian thing, I think we can, 
you know, sort of brush that aside because that's an offer we wrote, you know, years back. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really like our, our focus. We'll talk about that later. Misconceptions with chat GTP. Yeah, let's I think do that's it. more relevant. Yeah. Everyone's probably wondering about it. Like I think, you know, Julian, if you have your own thoughts. No, you, you are much more familiar with it. So. Yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, I've definitely uh, immersed myself in it. And I actually, I really think it's a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I, here's the analogy I like to give. Like, everyone's seen Star Wars, right? Or yep. hopefully. Um, there's like Luke Skywalker, exactly (laughs) Luke Skywalker's like, you know, you know, blasting off into the galaxy, fighting the dark force. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but he's got a helper R2D2 and he's able to get in that, what's it called? The X wing, the little spaceship and able to do like, you know, he's checking the pressures. He's looking at, you know, the coordinates of the stars and helping him to go to warp speed. Right. But Luke is still there driving the ship. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not R2D2. Yep. So that's why I look at chat GTP. I think it's like the R2-D2. You still need the Luke Skywalker. Yep. It can enhance a Jedi to do even more Jedi craziness, Jedi, yeah. Jedi uh, tricks. Um, it can help, you know, take care of the the, the, the research. So with a copy, mm-hmm. you know, it can help you go delve deeper into research. Although you need to be careful because chat GTP will lie and will give you false sources and all these things at, at its current state. It may change. It may work out those kinks. But... Um, that's I think good it's to know. that's good. To yeah, know. I think yeah. it can yeah. also help you bust through like uh, creative blocks if you have them, just to like get your brain going. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, if you have any, a writer's block, um, it can help you just do research and those th- sorts of things. So I think it's a great research assistant and and an enhance a tool to use, but it's not at the point where it's going to replace a human writer. Yeah. Yeah, I heard somebody describe human, it. Like a, good a good human writer. Good, yeah, yeah. It'll replace yeah, the bad it, ones pretty it, well. It, yeah, it yeah. may replace yeah. all the bad writers. Yeah, yeah, the bad writers, the average writers, they, I think, will be or or already are becoming obsolete. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, an A-list, you know, top copywriter it can't get close. It yeah. can't beat our email creatives. That no. Yeah. Let's so. say, I, I think somebody described it as it's a mirror, right? So ChatGBT really is just a mirror of what we ask mm-hmm. of it. And so yeah. whatever will come back, it's just going to pull a reflection of what we ask it to do. Um, so it actually doesn't surprise me it would pull bad sources because it's just pulling from the internet, right? Yeah. Everything that scrapes that's out there, which I think we all know there's bad sources on yeah, the internet, yeah. right? But so it's really indicative of whatever, whatever we're asking the mirror to bring back to us. Oh, so, I love that analogy. Yeah. But let's talk about prompting because I think that's the key that I've seen is the prompting really tends to dictate what you're going to get out of it. And so some of the prompts. Sure, yeah. I know like I've, you know, I'm like a prompt collector now. So yeah. like if I hear someone have a good prompt, it's like, so that's why I think it can be a tool to sharpen your thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So like you need to know what to think or how to structure a question to get the response that's going to take you to the next level. And I think you can even go deeper. If you've ever, if you look at the platform, the open AI or is it the playground, yep. um, you can type in a, uh, a question or a prompt and then it'll give you, a, you know, a response and then you can refine it by going deeper. It's like, well, we'll you know, elaborate on that or... Yeah. Uh, take this tangent or all right take that result and do this with it right so there's like going deep so no there's like techniques prompt techniques with it and so Mm -hmm. i think there's that's definitely a thing and i think collect as many as you can and spend thinking time to come up with your own and play around with it yeah that's where i'm at with it i mean it's still you know after we're done i'm going to show you some um i'll show you some cool prompts that perry belcher's using um Mm. that he did a talk on showed like here's the key prompts that they've been using and there's some cool stuff in there someone's had i mean someone has come out with like a prompt subscription offer right like maybe perry did or something or i i mean like that's what was it he was saying that in 30 days they had like 200 
products that were built off of like AI and ChatGPT and OpenAI. Mm. And then 30 days later, it was up to 300. So yes, yeah, somebody's built that. And I'm sure like five, 10, uh, a ton of people have. There's so many new it. things. Mm. So yeah, we'll talk more about that. But I think one of the, just like you're saying, like I think ChatGPT and all that AI stuff, it's as good as the prompts that you put into it. So a lot of people are getting bad responses thinking it's not right. good. And you're not doing it right. It's, it's, really, it's, it's the mirror, yeah. yeah Maybe I'm, yeah, you, you need know. a conductor. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the biggest thing is, it's funny because I'm actually, this weekend, I'm planning on messing around with uh, literally just building a resume. Like, I want to build a resume for um, my wife. And so it's like, let's use ChatGBT for oh, that's a great see idea. what happens, right? So it's like, there's no real risk, or why not? So, um, but... You know, learning those prompts, learning how to converse with it, you could do some really amazing things. And listen, it's not going away. So I tell anyone, don't fight it, learn it, because yeah, eventually we're all going to be using it, and you're just going to be left behind, still trying to sell typewriters. Yeah, it's, like, it's so. going to be like our R two D two. Yeah, know? it's like a yeah, little exactly. companion robot totally. that helps us. Like, hey, figure this out, recipe for this or whatever. Yeah. And if it could start cleaning for me, yeah, yeah, we we good. use it in multiple departments, not just creative now. But I, yeah. I have some friends who are you know very successful in business, and they have, I think it's a pipe dream, but they they think that ChatGPT is going to completely replace replace their creative team, and they're you know they're doubling down on it. It's not computers haven't passed the Turing test yet, you no, know, so no. we're not there yet. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Maybe we won't. Let's be yeah. retired before yeah, that happens. I think humans are awful, uh, they're, are awful at predicting the future, right? Yeah. So we just don't know. We have Where's to... my flying car? Dang it. Yeah, I want, right? Yeah. I yeah. want my Rosie road back. back to yeah. the future, <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, totally we, we, we flew here in planes yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, like if you look at like pictures from the 1970s of what flight would be like in the future, like, or even look at it, what, how it was like then and like luxury, like uh, first yeah. class, like it's gone down. Yeah. Like, so just because we're progressing in time doesn't mean things get better. Yeah, for so sure. So I just want to leave that. Well, on that, because we progress in time. <laughs> and I think things are still getting better, yeah, but we yeah. have to cut it off. So so last thing before I go, I just want to know, how can people get a hold of you? Whether they want to be a part of the team or they want to start promoting your awesome offers. Um, obviously, those are up on um, ClickBank. But in yeah. general, how could they get a hold and see what's going on? Yeah, so. Um, Opportunity app, right? So, so I'll, I'll just start this off and say, if. You heard us talk about our culture and what we're doing and the momentum that we have and the type of people that we want. If you think that you're a person who is like that, no matter what your superpower is, whether it's operations or creative or anything, um, you can email us at opportunity at redhotmarketingllc.com. Opportunity at and we'll Red put that in the show LLC. notes, too. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. So we're bad. always looking for, like, that's really why we came on this yeah. show. Like, we... Um, Besides hanging out with you guys, um, you know, we we're, we're always looking, uh, you know, to for someone that's going to fit in with, with our sure, team. Yeah. And, Me media yeah. buyers, you know, affiliate managers. I mean, we've got, you know, a lot of uh, offers in the pipeline right now that like we we've got to build. We got to expand our platform and do it in a way that's not like corp too corporate, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, if 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 that's you, you know, reach out. You know, and if you're a copywriter and want to work, you know, with us and. I, I obviously I'm biased. I think we have one of the best creative teams in the world right now. Um, it's not just me and Andrew. It's it's a bunch of other writers and, and Chris and Dad's writing with us. And we've had a, we have a special guests come in. We, we also had, do like exotic copy masterminds in yeah. the Caribbean. 
too. We've had Evaldo mm-hmm. Albuquerque, yeah. uh, Paris Lampropolis, uh, Chris yeah. Dad, John Benson. We, we've also paid for uh, our writers to take like you know really really cool courses um, that we think are that we've vetted to help. Like we're always looking for everybody on the t- on the team to keep kind of sharpening their skill set yeah. and get better. Yeah, that's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So that's copygods.com. Copygods.com. If you're a writer, we have a, we have a funnel. We have funnels for for talent actually nice. to kind of go through it's, it. And it's funny how we use copygods.com. We also talked about removing the ego in the same conversation. <laughs> they have copygods. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's not us. It's not us. It's the copygods. It's the copygods. Yeah. Yeah. General, it's not so. us. We worship the copygods. Yeah. Well, awesome guys. Well, really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, appreciate yeah. everything. Thank you. And I really hope that um, you know some some listeners out there. They reach out, they join, they yeah, take hopefully. an opportunity to be part of what sounds like just a, a kick-ass team that's going to be competing and winning in the world of marketing for a long time to come. So with that, please remember to rate. Wait, can I say one last oh, thing? Oh, you can. You one can last thing. We have traction. So we're, I think we mentioned this earlier, but we're basically new to ClickBank. We've, we've yeah, grown yeah, yeah. our businesses on our own merchant mm-hmm. accounts and all that stuff, but we're really liking ClickBank. And we have a couple offers that we recently got on there, mm-hmm. but one of them in particular, TPT. Uh, has traction. It's it's a new offer on there, but I think it's a you know we have a chance to start dominating the uh, men's erectile dysfunction space. So uh, how how do they? What do they reach out to to Kyle? Or yeah, so yeah, they can reach or? out to Kyle. They can reach out um, to you guys. There's also your marketplace listing. So what we'll do is we'll actually get a link um, to yeah. your affiliate tool page. We'll put it in the show notes so they yeah. can go and reference that and see that nickname. Um, as well as uh, afterwards, let's talk. I think I have some people that I'd want to connect you with also. Awesome, on thank you. It'd be great. great. Uh, but yeah, no, so that, that that's great, guys. And and just out there, I was just going to say, make sure to comment, rate, review, subscribe, all the things they make us say. Um, but the other thing, too, is we'd love to always hear it from you guys. Put in the comments, what do you want to hear next? What are the things and struggles you're having in your business that you feel like you don't have an answer to? Um, I'm not going to promise you we have an answer, but we'll go out and try and find it. So, um, But until next time, Thomas isn't here, so I will say happy scaling in his absence and you have a good one. Bye.